This is episode number 126. What's the next question that will help you unfold your truth? With Chris Delaney. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement regarding our virtual meetup, Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a few weeks ago through Zoom, where every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time, we host a one-hour-long call for all of us within the community to connect and to learn more about each other and the individual journeys that we take within our lives. If you're interested in joining any of the upcoming calls, go ahead and leave us a message through our website, to which we'll respond with all the details where you can join and at what time. Now, let's get back to our show. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Outs Podcast. Today's guest is someone that him and I connected a couple of weeks ago, and I think we had a we were trying to get on the call and everything scheduled, but it is anything that we've learned and that is life happening in between, and so we had to continue to postpone it. So I'm glad that we're able to finally sit down and learn more about your story and what you're doing. His name is Chris Delaney. Him and I connected through a mutual group called Unconventional Leaders. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is great. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining. I'm, I'm hoping that we can stay within the time frame planned because last last call lasted a lot longer than you and I anticipated. <laughs> but I think that's that's one of the things that I shared with, with people that come onto the show and everyone else that I connect with is that you never know. In my opinion, when it comes to networking, it's really about finding that needle in the haystack. And so mm-hmm. you never know who's going to be that needle. And sometimes you just have those conversations that are just really natural. And even though, and that's one of the things that you and I even um, were doing that time and that's respectful of our time to others, but we had to continue that because it's that it just felt like it. So I wanted to bring you on to this show and continue that conversation, except the, o- the only limitation we're going to have is the time for this particular conversation. But beyond that, um, I'm really looking forward to it. And the way that I want to start this off is actually give you a chance to talk a little bit about who you are and what you do to some of our listeners that are not familiar with your story and your background. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. So, I mean, you know, first and foremost, right off the rip, I mean, um, to know me is I'm just somebody who just loves seeking great questions. So that was one of the things that when you and I connected, I was like, this is like a great conversation. <laughs> seeking better questions that unfold to what we call truth. But um, to know me is to know that like my mission in the world, um, I sum it up like this. Um, my focus is helping uh, humanity, the world, really bring their truth to light and to life and doing that in whatever capacity I'm called to in the moment. And I think the last few years that's been in, in teaching and coaching and mentoring, um, I've done things in masculinity work. I've done work in integration and life work uh, business. Um, I've been advising to companies and startups. So whatever capacity leads my gifts there. Um, 
my story, just the, the quick overview um, that I've shared. And, and I believe that your story is the thing to lead with because that's how we connect to one another is, mm-hmm. um, you know, the short version, I grew up the son of a single mother who had uh, what we thought was stage two breast cancer growing up. Um, that 15 years in found out it was actually stage four the entire time. There was a lot of detail in between. There was a really, really uh, nasty divorce that happened, some, some heavy stuff. Um, but essentially grew up with a really strong-willed mother who, um, who basically raised me to be very, very tough and very ambitious. Um, high school was a big deal for me too because I thought I was going to have this really clear, defined pathway for myself. And being the millennial that I am, I, you know, we found out in 2004 you couldn't go to school and, and just retire on your income. And it was such huh. a different world. Um, and so my high school time was, was really focused being ambitious, but my mom actually ended up in a medicated coma when I was a senior in high school for about six months. And that was where like my first instinct or first, um, sort of my journey came of, um, really figuring out the world and understanding what's going on out there. Um, when I graduated, I, I went into college and, um, you know, I, I, I did what we're supposed to do, which is try to get good grades. And, and I just dropped out because I didn't see a need for it yet. And I just wanted to pursue um, work and figure those things out. Um, by the time I was 21, my mom had passed away and I was actually with her during a pretty long six months battle with bone cancer at that time. And, um, you know, I was actually with her when she passed and that set the table for my next 10 years in my twenties. Um, so being there with her led to PTSD and anxiety and, um, a lot of failing forward and a lot of life experience in a very short window of time and learning a lot about relationships and survival and all this stuff. And, um, you know, my twenties was, was trying to find out what we're supposed to do and coming to the awareness of what we're taught as kids isn't necessarily the truth. Mm-hmm. And so it was, um, you know, learning through the experience, the doing, right. The learnings and the doing. So, um, I pursued, um, a career. I was in the service industry for quite a while and then ended up in the fortune 500 space. Um, and being a college dropout, my story was I had to work twice as hard as somebody with a degree and work my butt off. Um, to get to a place by the time I finished where I had hundreds of employees and a couple of managers that worked for me. And um, I still found myself in a place where I was just miserable. And mm-hmm. uh, by the time I was in my 30s, um, you know, took a step out and went through my divorce and left my job without a, without a plan. I just knew it was eating my soul away. And um, that's when things kind of opened up for me. Um, I ended up moving out to West Texas in 2015, way out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, <laughs> That was a restart to my life. It's like the alchemist, right? I was pursuing a personal mm-hmm. legend and the adventure. And in the process, doing a lot of deep inner work that I was intuitively led to my story, understanding why I believed what I believed and, and information started coming to me in books and people. And I just became super open and I dropped the, the veil of having to know. And that was the biggest thing for me. And I made a promise to myself five years or four years ago that I would never hide anything from my heart and my mind um, from anybody. And I would just speak from my own personal truth. And that was a promise to me. Mm-hmm. And so since then, I've, I've been producing content on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, um, encouraging people to speak their truth. Um, my focus is building freedom in, in doing so is, you know, working within my truth and helping others expose their own. Um, and that's led to some beautiful things. And I've been able to speak. Um, I've been able to travel. I've been able to um, to do that, but speak from a place of authenticity of the the, the struggle that is. And um, you know, as we spoke a couple of days ago, I believe right now more than ever is a time for us to understand who we are and to get still and to start being instead of just doing, mm-hmm. and um, begin to unfold that truth for ourselves. Mm-hmm. How do you define that truth? What is that truth to you? Yeah, it's you know, truth for me is an interesting thing. So. 
you know, I believe that there's there's not one answer. I think there's layers to it in many ways. The, the, the thing that makes us who we are, you know, when we talk about truth, there's four components to me, uh, to, to all of us, I believe. There's our energetic, our spiritual, our conscious, and our physical selves. And when those things intersect, that is the essence where we begin to unfold our actual real truth. Mm-hmm. I think there's truth as in, you know, things that tend to have basis in reality in terms of gravity, right? That makes sense. The law of gravity makes sense. The law of physics makes sense. But there are things that we come into contact with that, that transcends an idea of truth, that it becomes an awareness of like a remembering. And that's what intrigues me. So I stopped believing that other human beings had truth for me and they had great opinions. And I was looking for people around me who had great questions because that would make me pursue my own truth. So there's personal truth and then there's nature. And whenever I feel stuck, I don't look to other people. I definitely go back to nature and, um, you know, just really soak in what is, you know, and try to focus on that. And, and I'm also a student. I, I go to the source of the source in many of the books, right? So like Think and Grow Rich, I want to find the source of that and go all the way back to esoteric Gnostic Christian texts and all this stuff that we don't, we don't go seeking. And man, you find so many in, uh, like incredible thoughts that unfold another layer of like, oh, that sounds true. Let me find out if it is. Mm-hmm. So it's like something that you can kind of, it's like water, right? You can grab it to a degree, but you can't hold it. You know, it's such an interesting process. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason why I asked that question is because one of the things that I've learned, and you bring up a lot of really good points that I want to dissect and dive into. One of them is this concept of a college dropout. So I have a couple, I know a, a couple of people that have stopped going to college at different phases of their lives, whether it was right mm-hmm. after freshman year or sophomore year and, and et cetera. And what I've learned is that that label and that association, as far as, mm-hmm. oh, you're a college dropout, you're not good enough, you couldn't commit and et cetera, really stayed with them for, yeah. and probably still to a degree stays with them every time I have a conversation with those individuals. And I'm curious to know, did you struggle with that term to begin with? And, and if so, what were those struggles? And then ultimately, how did you reshape your own truth around that subject that it became something that was normal for you to speak about rather than, hey, this is something that I have to be ashamed of? That's a great question. You know, I think behind every person is a story that comes from the beliefs and the thoughts that we've created. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about belief systems being planted in from three E's, education, experience, and environment, and we operate in patterns, right? We're, we're subject to two limitations. The limitations are our own ego, which is the mirror that reflects back to us that we can't escape. And then there's the subconscious mind, the thing that just soaks in all of our human experience. So when I started understanding what I call the rules of the game, like here's this thing that soaks this stuff in, I can just accept it and realize that I have to learn how to then play the game and use these structures better. So when it came to the story, I was unconsciously aware of the story. But when it came to it, it was a moment in time in which I reflected back at a time when I was having, quote unquote, success in a traditional sense. And I said, that story didn't matter anymore. So what was that all about? And I began to work backwards from where I was in the current day and start looking at major milestones in my life. It's, um, it's, a, it's a workshop I call Your Story is Your Gift. And so it's beginning to take a look at how these things have not just happened, but what was your conscious awareness of it? Were you intentional about it? Was it something mm-hmm. that has happened? Because many times we're holding ourselves accountable for something that happened when we were children. Our psyche is imprinted. Things happen before we're even old enough to understand this. And so if we continue to hold ourselves accountable for it, we're fighting a lie, right? And so it becomes a really interesting release. We begin to address it as it comes up. 
So the story was impactful for me because I believed I just had to work hard. And at the core of that was what I really wanted was love because if I was worthy and useful and I knew something, especially as a man, right, the masculine, then I could, I was worthy of love. That's at the mm-hmm. core of everything I believe, right? Now, the interesting thing nowadays too is that there's the opposite story, interestingly enough, in polarity where I see a lot of people, especially in the entrepreneurial space, almost share the story like a chip on their shoulder about being a college dropout. And it tends to shame people with an education. And we have to realize that the truth that we're talking about usually lands somewhere in the middle. And it's all about, you know, your own personal sense of, of what it's, what's meant for you, because we, we, we have to realize that we tend to morph into whomever we believe we should be for the love of others sometimes. And that's a tricky thing, right? So that's, that, that to me is the deeper thing that I'm really interested in understanding for myself. Because I work through this every single day. There's no such thing as done. Like there's no perfection. It's like just being vulnerable of like, hey man, today I really struggled with this story and I'm working through it. Um, and I think that's the power behind these stories that come up and realizing are they true or not. And then the cool thing is, what do I believe going forward? Who am I really? Mm-hmm. And that allows you to then unfold further truth. Mm-hmm. And I think also part of that journey, one of the things to be cautious of is sometimes it happens unconsciously and I'll speak from my perspective and that is someone who pays attention and be, and is aware of not only his surroundings, but where I am in life, there's still sometimes tendencies as far as people that we attach to as those mm-hmm. that have influenced our thinking to begin mm-hmm. to model our behavior according to the way that they've behaved and lived their lives. Yeah. And the danger within that is, you don't really know how that's going to shape the rest of you. So the the point that you made at the very beginning of this, and that is looking internally before you look externally for those yeah. sources of information and that guidance. And I think that's a really important thing to take away from this is that especially during times of adversity, instead of looking at the external world and how people operate and how they react ultimately, and then having yeah. that become the norm for you, I think it's important to look internally. And and one of the things that has actually helped me is The Alchemist. Ironically enough, I just started rereading that book for the second or third time. And every time I read it, I get new new insights. But one of those things is I just finished part one and he concludes that, or within the part one, there's a story for those that are not aware of it. And that is when he he gets the two rocks, the yes Mm -hmm. and the no. Mm-hmm. And the the phrase with it that goes is that, you know, use them whenever you are seeking answers or guidance. And one of the things that I didn't realize until a conversation that I had with a friend of mine yesterday was that the rocks are actually within you, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so yep. this, that concept that he talks about was um, feel the temperature of each one and, and mm-hmm. then depend on which one's hotter or colder, then it gives you the uh, the answer to it is it's yeah. really that's our body. So our body gives us mm-hmm. a lot of answers, I think. It's very intuitive as far as how it works. And Super so I just yeah. interesting how that process becomes a thing. And so instead of looking externally or at those rocks, it's more so looking inside and helping yourself understand that, okay, yes, I feel confident with going forward with this decision. Yeah. I, I you know, what, what comes up for me with that is this concept, right? And, and, and for me, everything is archetypal, meaning symbols and stories. I mean, they make sense. They have truth in them to a degree. Mm-hmm. They're the things that science can't define, right? Because they're, they're, they're wisdom, right? Wisdom mm-hmm. is not science. Sometimes we get so science-based that we miss the richness of life. And so 
what I think of is like when we're children, right? We are nothing but pure conscious mind. We have sense-driven information and we're in our purest state. We require an adult, a, a loving mother and a, and a father that protects and provides in order for us to be able to feel confident they're holding space for our growth. Mm-hmm. So when we think about this in our own reality, there are times when we need those quote unquote models in today's world more than ever, especially in the Western world, because especially, and I talk a lot about men's mental health and masculinity a lot, we don't have a lot of healthy male role model. So we need that person that we can identify with for just a moment so that we can begin to see ourselves differently. It's like, um, you know, one of, uh, one of my good friends calls it the disease of the West. You know, we do so much doing, our identity is so predicated on doing but it has to be equal parts being too. And so when people say, what does being mean? It's the integration aspect of that, which is once I've learned something new, I have to begin to take the feedback from it and expand it and allow it to be. But mm. I can't do that when I have social media dinging in my ear and I'm, and I'm taking on <laughs> new opportunities and trying to be something for everybody else, right? So we need those things to hold the space for us. And then when we're ready to move on to the next teacher, then we move on. But that absolutely is right. We need those those stones. I think it was Urim and, and, and Tulum to, to have mm-hmm. those in order for us to have that anchor for a moment for then for us to instill the understanding that that's leading us inwards. So it's a really nice external reflection to the internal. And I think they mm-hmm. both interplay. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing about truth that's interesting to me is this, is that oftentimes it takes a, it takes time to develop a language when it comes to your truth. So yeah. for example, any if there's anything that I've learned, it is in moments of shame, guilt, and embarrassment. It seems that every single time you experience it, in my opinion, there's a new language that you have to develop. And so mm-hmm. before you've developed it, it still is your truth. And so mm-hmm. if the story that you told to someone, hey, I couldn't do this because of X, Y, and Z, but really that, that may not be the ultimate truth because you haven't developed the inner language with yourself to share that shame in a, in a safe space. So then you can share the same exact thing with that individual. And that's one of the things that I think oftentimes we forget about as people is that we're always working on ourselves. So the story Mm -hmm. that I may be telling you for why X, Y, and Z didn't happen may not be the ultimate thing, but at the same time, it doesn't make me wrong or it doesn't make me a bad human being. It's just, I'm a worker in progress, just like everyone else. And so what I've mm-hmm. learned is that it, how do we create, and maybe this is a question to you, is how can we create more spaces where we have more compassion for people and understanding that, hey, he might be telling me this now because he's also working through something. And if the answer yeah. changes six or seven months down the road to what is believed the ultimate truth, then that's also okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great concept. And I think the safe space, right? When I, when I have somebody come to me who says, I really want to feel more love in my relationship. I want to feel more, you know, drive in my business or passion. My question is more so about if you wake up tomorrow and you have everything that you desire, how would you feel? And I allow them to expand in that for a second. And it's like in their body, everything shifts. So my question becomes what you just did Mm -hmm. was you shifted your reality for just a moment, how powerful the mind is. And you felt what you wanted to feel. You see, we get taught that we, we need conditional things to happen in order for us to experience something. Yeah. Instead of realizing that we are capable of, resh- of reshaping and shifting the narrative in our minds. So the question for me became, what if I was able with the story that I've created in my life to then recreate and become a conscious creator of my own life 
and create a story in my mind that's so compelling to me personally, nobody else. It doesn't matter. This is me. I wake up in my body, in my mind. That's so compelling that the line gets blurred between my current reality and that story itself. People will say, let's Pollyanna thinking or whatever. But my, my argument is, for those of us who've gone through significant darkness in our lives, there's a higher level of drive beyond that, that, that morality of, I don't seek those lower level pleasures. I'm seeking to better my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeking something for me that is palatable and then beautiful so that I can define it for myself. If we, if we continue to put love externally into something else or my sense of passion into something else and that goes away, mm-hmm. then we have no drive, right? So there's this interesting concept of how do you become the conscious creator of your own life in which you pick up the pen and write your own story? There has to be that reconciliation of your own current story to find out what's true and what's not because our brains trick us, trick us to thinking that we know and we don't. Uh-huh. These are just things that are contextual. We fill in the blanks so powerfully. It's like we read a meme and we get it. We know it, right? Yeah. But we don't. And we'll argue to the death that we know. When really, <laughs> we're, just, we're just aware, right? And so we have to realize how did that happen? It's just how we learn as individuals. So with the guilt and shame, I had a quote or a morning thought I sent out to clients this morning. And, and I was listening to, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Elliot Hulse. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Elliot is big in the masculinity space, very direct. And he is who he is, which I, which I dig. I don't have to agree with all of it, but I do like who he is as a person. And he said, you know, the, the reason why we're where we're at is because there's this consensus conversation of just seeking grayness. There's no more polarity in our world right now. And I started thinking about that. And I said, particularly for men, when we're dealing with guilt and shame, how would feelings of guilt and shame begin to get eroded if we were taught how to seek and create our own personal standard of being in the world? That we actually sought the difficulty and we were actually able to experience the difficulty so that we could understand that failure is a byproduct of trying and doing. And that that allowed us to be in that moment that will imbue within us this like the alchemist kind of thing. It's like the alchemist for me, I love it because it's a story of becoming, mm-hmm. not just doing. You know, Santiago was becoming in the alchemist. The alchemist became gold because of their proximity and the focus and the energy. How can we become that and be forged in this idea of being able to create space for others as the only byproduct of us being able to hold space for ourselves first? Mm-hmm. You know, how can, I, how can I get myself out of the way so I can serve you without thinking about how much you're paying me, my time being somewhere else and, and you being able to take from me? I can only open my heart to you if I'm creating safety for myself. Mm-hmm. And I've gone through the difficult, right? So that's something that I'm very big on talking to folks about, especially in that guilt and shame and fear, is that's an external thing we've been taught to feel because we've been taught this duality nature, this separateness, you know what I mean? And it, and it creates this shame because really we're meant to connect. We're meant to be. And that's such a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that was the thinking once upon a time as far as this is how we were taught? Is that just something that we didn't know? at the time and becoming more aware of now or what, yeah. what are your thoughts about it? Uh, I'm going to say some unpopular things, but you know, again, <laughs> it's just my, my truth. But I mean, when you think about the nature of things like religion and Abrahamic traditions, I mean, Abrahamic traditions and, and religion in general is designed to give us a sense of faith, which is it adds life to our life, right? It adds divinity into our life which is amazing. We all seek some natural ineffable experience of the mystical, right? But then we separated our human nature from experiencing that by calling it something. 
and then it was taken by human beings who let's let's face it i mean there's so much variability and it gets manipulated into something that is a control mechanism by itself religion can be a beautiful thing it's just a it's just what i call a medium of intention it's what you place the energy in and give it outwardly to so there's amazing you know pastors and leaders and stuff like that but the moment you start creating a paradigm in which you have quote unquote evil within you and we're separating ourselves from exploring our own shadow, which is a huge aspect of our lives. Therein lies the container of space for guilt and shame and lower level vibrational emotions to be felt and judgment. You know, and this is a great conversation to have because this could be really deep. And I think we should do this in a separate one and have that uh -huh. conversation. But, you know, we've taken this beautiful method of, of, of experiencing the mystical and the divine and created like this really conditional sense of loving in which we call God, he all the time we miss a whole aspect of the she, right? The feminine. Mm -hmm. But then, but then we think of this man living in a cloud, right? To smite us the moment we touch our penis. I mean, come on, you know what I mean? So it, it becomes this really interesting dynamic. So, and then, you know, it's just a sea of, of variability that happens from there and it proliferates and people seek what, what hits their own bias. And that's how it begins to proliferate. So it, it's, it's, it's a lot, man. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've been interested by, and, and maybe you've answered it, but I somehow, missed it within what you just said and it is this i'm trying i've been trying to understand when did we tr not when but why did we try why did we begin to seek in external things such as religion and things like that when it comes to a lot of the problems that we have for example if you don't mm -hmm. have enough finances one of the things mm -hmm. is one of the things that i hear from people of different backgrounds as, and religions is go to prayer or, mm -hmm. or consult a higher being that you believe in, universe, energy, mm -hmm. whatever it is that, that may be. Why do you think that that happened that way, that we go there instead of looking internally first and saying, okay, well, what can I do? What resources mm -hmm. do I have at my disposal that can actually help me change that conversation? Is it because of the lack of confidence that we have in ourselves? Or is, is there something else that we're not aware of? Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's an anthropological answer there, which is, you know, in, in our species, you know, we, we experience nature and we experience mm -hmm. things like burning bushes from lightning striking it and fire and, and animals. And can you imagine what life was like when we were literally living in caves? I mean, <laughs> so we begin to see these things and, the, and, and we have, you know, our biological makeup, our nervous system, the things that make us us, our psyche, right? The higher mm -hmm. level consciousness that separates us from animals. So there's a lot going on there, you know, and, and there's symbolism and all this stuff. But what you said with prayer, um, I think prayer can easily be also meditation, which is the agency to connect within sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's a tricky thing. The moment you separate God from you, in my opinion, the, mo the minute you separate your nature, right? We are part of the divine. We are not, we are not the full essence of God because we're meant to experience contrast, in my opinion, mm -hmm. um, in, in, in just my experience. But I do think that we live in a society that was created to produce something, you know, civilization, the definition is our ability to take resources from an environment and create a product. If you mm -hmm. want to see an example of that, look at New York city, amazing civilization using these resources, creating a product. So when we be to focus on, on that, which mm -hmm. I don't know if that's right or wrong. There's no right or wrong to me. It's necessary. Yeah. And I'm that's really tricky because systems themselves, and we talk about this a lot in, in business and stuff like that, systems scale, but systems are not humanity. Systems are mm. for robots. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so so a system will not solve everything. So when people are talking about our country and they said, if I was president, I would do X, Y, Z. I'm like, listen, there's 200 plus years of inertia going on right now. <laughs> Don't you think that if you change things like rapidly because you want to change the, the world, that there would be a massive, massive pendulum swing mm-hmm. that would cause a lot of chaos and confusion. There'd be people would be killing each other in the streets right now. It'd be insane. So that's a really deep question that you're asking that would take time. Right. But that's just that, that external thing. Yeah. It, 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 it comes from a lot of things. It comes from parenting. It comes from human experience. It comes from um, our innate desire to seek outside in our culture. Whereas the Eastern worlds, they recognize both the mm. inner and the outer right here. It's like you're born, you go to school, you compete for grades, you go to college maybe, and then you compete for a job. You compete for a spouse and maybe have some kids. And if you don't have them by your 30, like you're failing. And then hopefully some things take place and you're lucky to retire at 70 years old with a nice retirement and then you die. Like, come on. Yeah. It's an interesting world we live in as far as the different things that we've created. One of the things that I've learned recently and come to an understanding is for me, it's, it's more important to create a space for understanding rather than a system for understanding. Because yeah. within that space, I think you're given the, the freedom of choice as far as yeah. what is that system that you want to create? Yeah. And, and that's, I think when it comes to change in, in people changing their own lives after having had the conversations that I have, it's interesting to see that change part of change, I think happens from freedom of choice. You have to allow yourself the opportunity to say, yes, I can. And I can mm-hmm. do it in whatever way that I want to. And that's, I think the, it's a big motivator for people when it comes to yeah. changing their lives. Instead of me coming to you and saying, hey, Chris, yeah. you can change, but only in X, Y, and Z way. And that's where you begin or, to or, or the concept of, you know, you see it happen a lot, especially in, in social media memes and stuff like that. It comes across as preachy when you're telling somebody what to do. We don't mm-hmm. inherently want to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. What we really need is somebody who embodies their truth. And that's such a big deal to me. Like integrity is who you are when you say things and when you do them, when you're not on social media or you don't change. And so I think that this upcoming decade of what's happening is going to expose a lot of that. And it's going to be evident who is serious about their work, like living their work and their, so to speak, like, like they're, they're, it's evident in their life that they are doing the work themselves too. And I think right. we oftentimes, especially like the coaching and all those other spaces, we tend to feel the imposter syndrome because we're trying to land something with people that they want to buy based on something that we think that they need versus saying, Hey, this is what I do because it's worked for me and people I've worked with. And this could be possible for you as well. And how do you think it might help you? And so we're trying to push this thing instead of trying to have a collaborative conversation, which will lead to greater connection and business is flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to be told what to do. That's part yeah. of the reason why I dropped out of college. Yeah. <laughs> I think part of that realization, what I've learned for myself is it comes from the question of who are you doing it for? Yeah. Yeah. Big time, man. What do you want? Biggest question. Devoid mm-hmm. of your friends and family in your past. What do you really want? Yeah. Chris, I know you have a couple of things coming up and some of the things that you guys are launching that I'm excited to be a part of in whatever way that I can. Tell us a little bit more about what you guys have in the works and how can people become a part of what you're doing? Yeah, man, I appreciate that. So uh, my partner, Danielle Laura, and I, um, she's a best-selling author and also somebody who's done a lot of faith-based healing and coaching work and somebody I have a lot of admiration and respect for. Last year, we came together and said, 
what is the big mission we both have and, and what is something that's missing? And two things came up. One, we both were compelled by the idea of traditional education doesn't really teach us what we need to know mm-hmm. when we're going to these phases of awakening and we're, we're questioning the, the four aspects of ourselves. And the other thing is when we're working in the coaching space, we recognize there was a huge opportunity um, for work and in integration, meaning you go to a course, you go to a, a mastermind, you go to an event, and then you're fired up for a few days. And why doesn't it last? Because there isn't a space for the really long-term integration and it's not being taught how it works. And so the concept for Life Unchained was born and it started off as a membership platform. And in the nine to 10 months since then, which is launching um, on the 11th uh, this month, uh, it turned into our vision of how we plan on, uh, our vision is to really unite and end human suffering within humanity by bridging the gap and teaching what traditional education did not teach. Uh-huh. and allowing people to explore their own personal sense of truth. And in there are going to be, you know, trainings and, and principle-based trainings, but the integration aspect in the community is such a big deal. Being around people who are awakening to this new life that we're talking about, this dissonance that's created, and being able to do the messy, dirty work of true transformation requires uh-huh. that you're around people who are there with you. And so that's launching, and we have a 50-module um, initial course in there called Life by Design, in which we're working with you to actually begin to shape the key areas of your life that matter um, and do that in a supportive way where we're actually going to be there with you along the way in so many different capacities. And then um, we have a creative director, Aaron Fogo, who is divinely gifted in her ability to create. It is unbelievable. Um, and then we also have some other teachers that we plan on bringing into Life Unchained as well to teach from their zone of genius expertise and their embodied work. And this is our lifelong passion. We see this in five to 10 years, like becoming physical school locations. Um, you know, we talk about our, uh, our members being, you know, truly beacons of light for others. That uh-huh. whole capacity of we can't do it for you, but we can illuminate the path so you can follow. Mm-hmm. And that's where we see it being a global community. And um, I couldn't be more excited about it. Mm-hmm. And where do people find that? How do people connect with you through social media or website? Are there... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have a ton of content releasing um, YouTube, Your Life Unchained. Um, we already have some content on there and some new stuff coming out. Um, yourlifeunchained.com is going to be our website where you can come learn more about us and, and really become a part of this. We also have apparel coming. So we have a whole conscious clothing brand coming out. We have all kinds of stuff. You can follow us at Pets Unchained. If you have an animal, if you have some pets huh. that you want to talk about too, that's in our community. Um, and of course, you can find us on Instagram at Your Life Unchained, and then I'm on uh, on Facebook at Chris Delaney. So we would love to connect with you. Appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on here, sharing your experience and your journey as it comes to truth and so many other topics. And like I told you before, this is just the beginning of our connection and our journey together as far as what we can do and what we can build for other people. Yeah, man. It's a beautiful space and I can't wait to see more about what you're doing with it and to collaborate further. This has been amazing. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Google, or Facebook so more people can find these inspiring and courageous stories. Once again, we thank you for listening, 
and we'll look forward to having you next week.